Episode of Hitting Pay Dirt by Impact Sports. This is episode number four, and I am Alex Beaudry. Today we are going to be walking through rookie compensation and rookie contracts. This is all laid out in Article 7 of the Collective Bargaining Agreement. So when the Collective Bargaining Agreement was extended in 2011, 2010, that time frame, the rookie wage scale was implemented to cap the amount that rookies were being paid. Uh, This had particularly a large impact for players drafted in the first round. It prevented unproven players from making more than proven veterans. And quite frankly, it also protected teams from themselves. The number one overall draft picks were somewhat exploding in total value of their contracts. And, excuse me, the owner's and the NFL wanted to put an end to that. And quite frankly, I think some veteran players were upset at the amount of those contracts, especially for guys who had never played it down in the NFL. So the rookie wage scale was implemented and it was included in the collective bargaining agreement. And last year in 2020, when the collective bargaining agreement was re-signed and extended again, um, it stuck. So To put this in a little bit of perspective, in 2009, Matthew Stafford was the first overall pick. His contract was for $72 million total. And then Sam Bradford, who was the last first overall draft pick to take advantage of the old CBA, going to the St. Louis Rams, his contract was $78 million. In 2011, when Cam Newton was drafted under the new rookie wage scale, his total contract was $22 million. So he lost out on $56 million uh, just for being in a draft class one year later than where Sam Bradford went. Um, Andrew Luck went in 2012, and he had a similar contract. And since then, you know, the total contracts have been increasing slowly but surely. Uh, last year, I talked about Trevor Lawrence in a previous deal Um, He was around the $37 million mark, I believe, over four years. Um, So, you know, over the last 10 or so years, we've seen an increase um, from 22 to 37, um, but still it's nowhere near where we were prior to 2011. So each year now under Article 7, teams have a maximum amount that can be spent in on rookies that are drafted. Um, This amount goes up with the salary cap each year. The amount that a team has to spend on their draft picks is determined by how many picks they have and where those picks occur. So if we look at the 2022 draft that's upcoming, the Detroit Lions will have more money in their rookie comp pool than a team like the Packers will have or, you know, the Arizona Cardinals pick your favorite playoff team. A team that's expected to pick, you know, 30th in the draft will have less money than a team who's expected to pick first overall, and that's because the first overall pick is going to make more than the 30th overall pick. So the amount of money is going to be determined by how many picks you have 
and where you draft, what order you draft in. The same is true for picks that are traded. So um, you'll, you'll see articles out there right now that are kind of talking about the uniqueness of the 2022 draft because teams like the Giants, the Eagles, and the Jets could all have at least two picks in the top 10, and the Eagles could have three picks in the top 15 if the season ended today. Their draft pool compensation, their rookie wage pool, is expanded because when they received those picks from other teams, they absorb that money. So it's not like they're going to have to get creative with with those rookie deals or anything like that. They, they will have their amounts expanded by having those extra picks. So the amounts that a rookie can earn on their initial deal is completely determined by what number pick they were. So this is referred to as the rookie wage scale. Basically what it means is your the amount you can earn over your four-year contract is determined by where you were selected. So pick one has a maximum comp compensation, pick two, pick three, et cetera, all the way down through the seventh round. It is completely determined by where you were selected in the draft. That's why players work so hard in all-star games, combine, training, the combine, and pro days because the difference of one or two positions can mean millions of dollars. Um, as an example, you know Trevor Lawrence's deal was worth, um, you know, thirty-seven million at pick number one, and Zach Wilson's dropped down considerably. He got a signing bonus of twenty-two point nine million um, versus Trevor Lawrence, who had a, a signing bonus of twenty-four point one million and some additional roster bonuses. So, you know, at stake especially in the first round, can be millions of dollars just between pick number one and pick number two. So that's why players work so hard. And really, from an agent's perspective, it's quite easy to negotiate because you know exactly what a team has to spend at that pick number. And really, you're just kind of arguing over some terms in the in the, in the the deal. So, you know, one example might be um, if you have a player drafted in the th- – third round or later, do they include split contract language, uh, which essentially would have a different amount of paragraph five salary if a player is active or on or on injured reserve, those types of things. But from a total compensation standpoint, the amount of that contract is going to be dictated by where the player was picked. Next, let's talk about the different contract terms. And I mentioned in podcast number two, rookie deals are more simple in the way that they have very specific things which can be included and other things that cannot be included. So the collective bargaining agreement, and again, this is in article seven, lays out exactly what can go into a compensation term of a rookie contract. And they are signing bonus. Again, the amount that the player gets when they sign their deal, off-season workout bonuses, Paragraph 5 salary, which is their base salary. And an easy way to remember base salaries for rookies, in year one, their paragraph 5 salary is always going to be the league minimum for a player with zero accrued seasons. 
So this year in 2021, that amount is $660,000. Next year's rookie class, that will bump up to $705,000. And that is specifically laid out in the collective bargaining agreement. You can have your paragraph five salary guaranteed. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. There are permitted performance incentives. Um, for players in the drafted in the first and second round, it's dictated on playing time. So only your, your performance incentives have to be tied to playing time. And in year one of your deal, that amount has to be 35%. So if you play in at least 35% of your team's snaps, so if you're an offensive player on offense, if you're a defensive player on defense uh, for year one, that can be bumped up to 45% in subsequent years. No other stat-based performance incentive or honor incentives are allowed. For example, Pro Bowls, All-Pro teams, etc. Players who are drafted in the third to seventh rounds, they can have their performance incentives of 15% of playing time in year one, and that can be bumped up to 30% in subsequent years. All amounts that are earned, well, I should say that differently. All amounts for these performance incentives shall count at the highest earned amount, whether or not they are earned for cap purposes, and they are included in the 25% rule, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. Two other quick things that can be included in a rookie deal are roster bonuses, so a bonus for being on the roster on a particular day, and reporting bonuses. Again, those are also all going to account towards the 25% rule. So I've mentioned now a couple different times the 25% increase rule. Again, specifically laid out in the, in the CBA that no rookie contract may increase by more than 25% in any given year. So what does that mean and how is it calculated? I'm going to go through Trevor Lawrence's deal and Zach Wilson's deal to walk through how this works because it, it is a little bit complicated. So for example, Trevor Lawrence signed a four-year deal. Every rookie deal is four years. His four-year deal included a $24.1 million signing bonus. I also mentioned that every rookie for year one is going to have a base salary their paragraph five salary be the minimum amount for 2021 that was six hundred and sixty thousand dollars so what you do is you take the 24.1 million dollar signing bonus you divide that by four so that you get your prorated signing bonus amount and you add the two numbers together so you take the 24 million signing bonus divided by four Let's call it $6 million for easy math. You add that to the $660,000, and you get a total amount. In this case, $6,685,000. So that's going to be the amount that counts towards Trevor Lawrence's salary cap number in year one. So then what the 25% increase rule says is that combined number cannot increase by more than 25%. So in Trevor Lawrence's case, 
that 25% number is about $1.67 million. And I'm doing some rounding here for, for ease of math. So in year two, you take his salary cap number of $6,685,000 and you add the $1.67 million to it, that total is $8.4 million. So his total salary plus his signing bonus proration cannot be more than $8.4 million, which means that his paragraph five salary in year one of $660,000 cannot be more than $2.37 million in year two. You then do that for year three and year four. So that 8.4 plus 1.67 gets you to 10.03. To find out his base salary amount, you would take the 10.03 minus the six point, or the $6 million total signing bonus. So his paragraph four would jump to something around $4 million. Year four, same thing, 10.03 million plus the 25% is 1.67 million. So his total salary cap amount has to be 11.7 million. You would subtract out the signing bonus proration to figure out his base salary. Zach Wilson operates exactly the same way. So the number two pick, he has a base salary in year one of 660,000. His signing bonus was 22.9 million which gets you to 5,725,000. You add those two numbers together, you get 6.385 million times 25% or 0.25. His salary year over year cannot increase by more than $1,596,250. And you do the exact same thing I just walked through with Trevor Lawrence um, to find out what his base salary would be. So his base salary would increase from $660,000 in year one to just over $2.2 million in year two, et cetera, all the way through. If you are interested in becoming an agent, this calculation is very important and something that is on the test. Um, so make sure you can understand the math. If you get a player's signing bonus proration, you should be able to figure out what a player's base salary will look like over the first four years of their NFL career because it doesn't change and the math never changes. So um, I hope that makes sense via a podcast format. Um, I'll probably write an article on this at one point, at some point in time that'll have numbers to it. You could also probably do a Google search. I'm sure others have written about it, but that's how the 25% rule operates. Switching gears a little bit, um, guarantees. A rookie contract can have guarantees in it. However, the, the guarantees must be in the preceding year. So, for example, a team could not have a guarantee. Let me put this a different way. A team could have no guarantees in year three. That would preclude them from having a guarantee in year four. So... You cannot have guarantees, for example, in years one and two and year four. It has to be all the way through. What you'll see most teams do, especially after you get after the first, I don't know, 10 or 15 picks, maybe years one and two are guaranteed, and then that will be it. And that's true for all types of guarantees. So remember, there are 
three different types of guarantees, guarantees for skill, guarantees for injury, and guarantees for salary cap reasons. So if you have a fully guaranteed contract in years one and two, you could also have an injury-only guarantee in years three and four because years one and two also had an injury guarantee in it. You could not do that if, like, for example, a care uh, a contract was guaranteed for injury only in years one and two. You could not have a guarantee for salary cap in year three because there was no guarantee for salary cap in years one and two. A rookie deal cannot be negotiated until after the completion of their third year. So a team is locked into a player and a, a player is tied to that team f- through their four-year contract. And if that player has an outstanding start to their career, they cannot renegotiate their deal until after the third year. This is why the offseason this past year, there was so much buzz around Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson the top three quarterbacks that 2018 draft class, they had all just completed their third year. So they were eligible to be extended. Now it turns out that only one of those quarterbacks was actually extended. That was Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Baker and Lamar are still on their rookie deals. Um, I would expect both of them to be extended after this year, but that's why sports media was following those three quarterbacks specifically because it was the first year that they were eligible to be extended. Same would be true at other positions. So Jonathan Taylor, uh, former Badger, now Indianapolis Colt, he's having a phenomenal year this year, and he finished his rookie year at an extremely good pace. He's a touchdown machine. He's running for a lot of yards. He would not be eligible to be extended until the completion of next year, 2022. So he's got a ways to go yet, but I would expect him to get paid come the end of next year. I believe the Colts will extend him. Okay. The last piece of kind of rookie deals that are important to understand are proven performance escalators and fifth year options. So a lot of this is going to depend on what round a player was drafted in. So let's start with the first rounders. If you are drafted in the first round of an NFL draft, you are your four-year contract automatically has built in a fifth year option. So a team has the ability to extend your your contract from four to five years upon completion of your third season. So a team must exercise this option after year three, so after year three is over, but before May 3rd of that year. Once they exercise that option, your fifth-year salary becomes fully guaranteed. That also makes year four fully guaranteed if it wasn't already. Because again, you have to have the preceding year become fully guaranteed. So after this year, 
after the Super Bowl, players who were drafted in the 2019 draft will be eligible to have their fifth-year option picked up. How much a player's fifth-year option is worth is based on performance and playing time, specifically playing time and Pro Bowl selections. I wrote about this in a Substack article. It was titled The Money Behind Being a Pro Bowler. And it it lays it out. So I'm going to walk through it. It can get a little confusing, a lot of different numbers and percentages. So I would encourage you to check that article out. But there are four different levels of fifth-year option amounts that a player can earn. Level one is if they did not, did not participate in 75% of their team's snaps in any two of the first three seasons or an average of 75% of the snaps in the first three seasons or 50% in each of the three seasons. So again, it's I understand it's probably confusing hearing this as opposed to reading it, but essentially if they didn't meet any of those playing time requirements, they would be eligible for a level one fifth year option amount, which is the, it's like a transition tender amount, but calculated slightly different in the fact that it's the average of the third through 25th salaries at the same position of the player. So if you look if you look at a running back, you would look at the average top 25 salaries at that position and you would take the amounts that are the third highest salary through the 25th salary, add them all up together, find the average and that would be the level 1 fifth year option amount. Level 2 is if you did meet those playing time thresholds. So you did participate in 75% of your team's snaps in any two of the first three seasons, an average of 75% in the first three seasons, or 50% in each of the first three seasons. If you hit those playing time thresholds, you would qualify for level two, which is the average of the third through the 20th salary at that same position. So it's slightly higher amount. You can reach level three if you were selected to a Pro Bowl, and then level four if you are selected to two or more Pro Bowls in your first three seasons. By reaching the the level three, you will get the average of the cap percentage of the top 10 prior year salaries at that position. So it's an average of the top 10. It's not the third through the 20th like level two. It's now the average of the top 10. And if you are if you are able to get to two or more, more Pro Bowls, it's equal to the fran- franchise tender, which is the average of the top five highest salaries at that position. So most players aren't likely to hit two Pro Bowls in their first three seasons, but the difference between level two and level three can be quite dramatic. Um, and I talked about this in, in my article that I referenced. Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson both had their fifth-year options picked up for obvious reasons, right? Mayfield has never been to a Pro Bowl, 
So he qualified for the level two option bonus, the not option bonus. He qualified for level two of the fifth year option. So his his contract for next year, assuming that he's not extended, is $18.8 million. Lamar Jackson was selected to a Pro Bowl in the year that he won the MVP. His fifth-year option is worth $23 million. So by being selected to that Pro Bowl, he earned himself an additional $4.2 million. And that's the difference between Level 2 and Level 3. If you look at Level 4, if anybody were to qualify that at the quarterback position, that $23 million guaranteed salary would jump Oh, man, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but probably close to $40 million based on where um, quarterback contracts are heading. So huge incentives for young players to meet to get selected to the Pro Bowl. For players who are not drafted in the first round, so rounds two through seven, their year four paragraph five salary can increase based on what the CBA calls Proven Performance Escalators, or PPE. They also have different levels. In this case, three different levels. Level one is the most complex because players who are drafted in the second round have different metrics to meet than players who are drafted in rounds three through seven. The reason was in the prior collective bargaining agreement, Second round picks were left out. They were, I don't know if it was intentional or just forgotten about, but they had no sort of performance escalator built into their contracts. So they were stuck with whatever their four year salary was. That was rectified in the current CBA, but one of the compromises that was made is they have a different level one. PPE than players who are drafted in the third through seventh round. So for a player who is drafted in the second round, as long as they participate in 60% of snaps in any two of the first three seasons or a cumulative average of 60%, they will qualify for the level one performance, proven performance escalator, while other players drafted in the third through seventh rounds, they only have to play in 35% of a cumulative average. For level two, every every player, no matter where they were drafted in rounds two through seven, have the same metrics, and they must play in 55% of their team snaps in each of the first three seasons. And then to qualify for level three, you must be selected to one or more Pro Bowls. The amounts for the different levels, level one, you receive the equivalent of a restricted free agent qualifying offer and the right of first refusal and the draft selection at a player's original round. So a topic for a different podcast will likely be restricted free agents versus unrestricted free agents. Uh, I'm not going to get into it here. That's in Article 9 of the CBA, but note that the amount that a restricted free agent can receive is going to be based on a, a different tender offer based on a couple of different variables. It's set in Article 9 of the Collective Bargaining Agreement. 
just know that the lowest amount, the lowest tender, is a qualifying offer with the right of first refusal and a draft selection at the player's original round. That has a specific dollar amount tied to it in the collective bargaining agreement. So that amount minus the player's current paragraph five salary would equal the bonus for reaching level one. Level two is the exact same as number one, but it adds $250,000. Level three, for getting selected to a Pro Bowl, you get a qualifying offer at the right of first refusal and draft compensation of the second round. So for reaching a Pro Bowl, you get a higher offer similar to what the restricted free agent would get at that level. The difference, just for an illustration, so that you have some idea of what that means for a player, if I reach level two of the proven performance escalator, my salary would be about $2.65 million. If I reach level three, that number jumps up to $3.9 million. So it's not as dramatic as you know a first-round pick in the fifth-year option, but still being selected to a Pro Bowl could mean an additional $1.3 million. So um, being selected to a Pro Bowl is a big deal for a rookie player no matter where they are drafted, and it has huge implications to a team's salary cap and, quite frankly, to a player's you know bank account. So very important for them. So that's rookie deals. At a high level, I kind of ran through articles, Article 7 of the Collective Bargaining Agreement. I hope you found that was helpful. I know a lot of it can be a little bit confusing as I'm just talking through it. I would encourage you to check out my Substack where I write about this. There's also a lot of other good resources out there on the internet. Check it out. I hope you enjoyed it. Follow me on Twitter at Impact Sports for more content like this. Um, you can follow me at on Instagram at Impact Sports underscore football. And please subscribe to my Substack, and I hope you enjoyed it. I will be joined by Mike again this upcoming Sunday for the Monday podcast. And then next week for the more technical podcast, um, I'm going to have a special guest. So um, I'm very excited about that. I'll tell you more about it next week. Um, but I think it'll be a nice addition to, to the podcast here. So thanks again for your support. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll talk to you all soon. Bye.